First, to address the elephant in the room, I am wearing a green hoodie. But I want you to know that this is not a sign that I have become Monsignor Kumbaya. I am wearing it, of course, because it's St. Patrick's Day. And Saint pa- I'm 62.5% Irish. Um, don't ask me where 0.5% is. Right? And my confirmation name is Patrick, so I have to at least show my Irish heritage on a day such as today. But it does help me introduce the topic for today's Rector's Conference because St. Patrick is an outstanding example of what I want to talk about this afternoon. Zeal for souls. My desire for you, God willing, as a priest, is that you're happy, that you're holy, and that you're also zealous priests. Happy, holy, and zealous priests. So what does it mean to be a to have zeal for souls, to be zealous. Well, St. Patrick, as I said, is an outstanding example of that zeal. As you know from his biography at age 16, he was um, brought into from his country of Britain into Ireland as a slave. And uh, he escaped several years later back to Britain. And after his theological education, his seminary and his ordination, uh, Pope Celestine, as part of the probably the last act of his papacy, sends Patrick back to the very place where he was a slave, back to Ireland to preach the gospel to a nation with very little Christian uh, example, witness, or roots, steeped still in an animalistic religion, including human sacrifice. And he literally converts, if you will, the people of Ireland. He's responsible, at least he's the core person. There are others that, of course, were before and after him. But he is uh, seen by the Irish people to be the great patron of Ireland, the great evangelist of Ireland. So he is a man that knows and lived zeal for souls. In his autobiographical work, The Confessions, he writes this. In a single day, I would say as many as a hundred prayers, and also as many in the night, and this even when I was staying in the woods and on the mountains. And I used to get up for prayer before daylight, through snow, through frost, through rain, and I felt no harm, and there was no sloth in me, as I now see, because the spirit within me was then fervent. We ask that the Holy Spirit might also make us that fervent, that zealous to bring souls to Christ. Of course, we have the ultimate example and life of our Lord to tell us what zeal truly is. He had, of course, and continues to have uh, zeal for souls, thirst for souls. And it's enough for us to consider the fact that he just became man for our salvation. He clearly expresses his his zeal in the Gospels in many places. We have that famous line from the 12th chapter of St. Luke where our Lord says, There is a baptism with which I must be baptized. How great is my anguish until it is accomplished. Zeal for souls. We know that our Lord himself worked 
to the point of exhaustion, falling asleep in the back of the boat during a storm. He looked with compassion on the sheep without a shepherd. He visited synagogues. He went to feasts. He spoke in public squares. Even the disciples had to drag him away from the crowd in order to find some food for themselves. And then ultimately on the cross. St. John tells us, after this, aware that everything was now finished, in order that the scriptures might be fulfilled, Jesus said, I thirst. I thirst. You know, there's a, a story that I learned from some missionary of charity, sisters. You might know that that line of our Lord on the cross, uh, his last word, I thirst, or second last word, I thirst, that's what the missionary charity sisters put in all of their convent chapels. And they usually put it right up next to the crucifix that's on the um, wall behind the altar. And they put it in big, bold letters, I thirst. It's sort of a motto of the, of the missionary charity sisters because it was that for uh, Mother Teresa. Well, the sisters once told me a story about a man who lived in one of their homeless shelters and would often come into the chapel to to pray. And as I said, he was a little bit odd. And so one day, one of the sisters came in and he saw, she saw this man <clears throat> uh, kneeling down on the floor and he had a glass of water next to him. And the sister came in and said, um, sir, uh, you really shouldn't bring in any water into the chapel. It's like here, don't bring in your water bottles, right? You might spill it, it might get over, you know, on the floor, and, and maybe we can put the, the, the glass of water outside the chapel. And the man said, but why, sister? He says, well, you know, it, it, again, it's, it's water, it might spill. She says, but, but why, sister? It says, I thirst, I just brought him some water. All right? Huh, yes. <laughs> so, this man and his maybe a little confused mind penetrated in a certain sense deeply into what our Lord was asking. And he was asking not just for physical water, but the very fact that that man was there. Jesus is thirsting for souls. And he wants us to be his thirst in the world. Priests are Christ's thirst in the world. That's zeal for souls. So what is, what is zeal? We know it comes from the Greek word zelos, which means a bubbling over, a boiling over with, with heat, something hot that, that bubbles over. That's what zelos means at its core. And St. Thomas Aquinas says that zeal is a necessary effect of love. Being, he says, the vehement movement of one who loves to, to secure the object of his love. It's the boiling over of one's desire to secure, out of love, to secure the object of one's love. For a priest, it is the souls of those that have been entrusted to his care, whoever and wherever they might be. It's first and foremost zeal for those souls 
given to him by, by the bishop, by assigning him wherever he might be assigned. It's the bubbling over of his love of Christ for his people. For you are the thirst of Christ in the world. Thus, zeal is fundamentally love in action. St. Paul, as he began, as we first meet him in the Acts of the Apostles, has a false zeal. He's zealous, but he's zealous about arresting and persecuting the church. It's not a zeal out of love for Christ. His conversion completely turns that inside and out. He now is an apostle who, as he says, caritas Christi urgat nos. The love of Christ impels us. His life is turned inside and out because now he is, he is urged on, driven on, to have zeal out of love for Christ. He is bubbling over with that love. And that's what our zeal needs to be as priests. The thing that we have to be careful of, of course, or the opposite, you might say, of zeal, is a certain um, achadia or a spiritual sluggishness that we could call, or what spiritual writers sometimes call, lukewarmness. Lukewarmness is, you can even hear that, lukewarm. It's not hot, it's not cold, it's just kind of blah, right? There's no bubbling over out of heat with lukewarmness. Lukewarmness is that which we need to avoid in order to be a happy, holy, and zealous priest. We hear very clearly in the, in the scriptures, the last book of the Bible, the book of Revelation, that speaks of the Laodicean church, and Christ rebukes that church in Laodicea because not so much that they're, they're committing fornication or idolatry or are influenced by heretics or... No, it's because they're, what? Lukewarm. It was a prosperous city, and they lost their zeal for Christ. I know your works, Revelation says. You are neither hot nor cold. Would that you were either cold or hot. So because you are lukewarm and neither hot nor cold, I will spit you out of my mouth. I think the Renaissance artist Michelangelo says it best. The problem with most people is not, what? That they aim high and fail. The problem is that they aim low and succeed. That's lukewarmness. That's the opposite of zeal. There's a a story about an old mountaineer and his wife, and they're sitting in front of a fireplace one evening, just whittling away the time. And after a long silence, the wife says, Jed, I think it's raining out. Get up, go outside and see. Well, the old mountaineer continues to gaze into the fire. He sighs and he says, Oh, ma, why don't we just call in the dog and see if he's wet? That's lukewarmness, all right? 
That's the kind of laziness. Who really cares? Let somebody else do it. Pope Francis says, one of the more serious temptations which stifles boldness and zeal is a defeatism which turns us into querulous and disillusioned pessimists, into sourpusses. The cause of this in our life can be multiple. One is procrastination. I know we all, to some degree, might struggle a bit with procrastination, putting things off. But we have to realize that things and moments in our life, they're kind of like a bus in Rome. And those of you that are back from Rome might know better, even from personal experience, what that means. Because a bus in Rome, you never know when the next one's coming along. So get on that one, all right? Even if it's crowded, because you just never know. There's no real schedule, it seems. Well, particular graces come along. Events come along at certain moments. Don't put it off. Take advantage of it. Push yourself. Don't believe in those excuses that come up, whether it's in your prayer life, in your study life, in your apostolic life. Oh, well, I don't have to put an effort into this because no one is going to notice. Oh, well, I can put it off for tomorrow. It can be just done as well then. Or I need to relax, right? No, lukewarmness can often be fed by this procrastination. And we lose our zeal for souls. Another thing that affects, especially in priestly ministry, is what I would call the if-only syndrome. And these are sometimes often pastors who aren't very zealous in their parish because they're always thinking to themselves, well, if only I had a different parish. If only I had different parishioners. If only I had different staff. If only I had a different bishop. Right? All these things are causing problems in my life. And in that way, we don't end up embracing the will of God and being zealous for the souls that are in front of us. Because we're always looking at the grass that's greener on the other side, the if-only syndrome. Another thing that we often think as being uh, a kind of cause of lukewarmness is actually... uh, kind of activism, an activism that forgets about our contemplative life. And how does that work? Well, we become so active that we end up exhausting ourselves, and we have no zeal left because we've spent it all, right? We don't take time to pray. We don't take time to relax. We're always moving and doing something, and we become much like a, a match, that when it's struck, it's really wonderful and on fire. But that match quickly dissipates and doesn't last very long. It might initially be a man with great zeal, but he gets so caught up in activism that he peters out and loses the zeal very quickly. Finally, I think also another, especially for this, uh, this season of Lent, It's important to remember that lukewarmness can also be due to the fact that we're not really living a good mortified life and a life of penance. We begin to kind of slouch, become comfortable in our life, and a bit selfish, so that suddenly we lose that that excitement 
that zeal, that fire. Because all we want to do is just serve ourselves rather than others. All right. But what are those signs of zeal, particularly in the life of a pastor? Well, one concrete sign is that a pastor is always looking for ways to be more available in the confessional. You've seen those parishes where confession is from 3 to 3.30 on Saturday afternoon or by appointment, right? That's not a bad thing. you got at least a half hour. The people of God need more from us. They need more zeal, more availability. Now, in your first assignment, especially as an assistant pastor, there might be only so much that you can do, depending upon what the pastor allows. But as a pastor, making confession even more available, even if you have to sit for a while and not have many people come, but finding ways in which your availability matches people's needs. The time and the day might have to change other than 3 to 3.30 on Saturday afternoon. It's been that way for 50 years. It may not be the best time anymore. It might be before and after the the parents drop kids off of school and pick them up. Oh, let me just stop in. I'll go a little bit early. It might actually be on Sunday, if at all possible, before or after Masses, especially during a season like Lent or, or Advent. It it could be before and after one or both of of daily Mass. It might be because on on Wednesday evening, a group regularly meets in the parish. Confession is going to be available. Because you know that that group, may be fairly large, men's group, women's group, whatever, youth group meets then, that's when Father's there in the confessional. But having that zeal for souls means being available when people need it. It's a good sign of a zealous priest. I think another sign of a zealous priest is a priest who's hopeful and optimistic, not cynical and pessimistic. Cynicism, as I've said before, is one of the worst diseases among priests. It literally sucks the, uh, the zeal out of you and even out of other people. A priest who exudes hopefulness and optimism is a priest, I guarantee you, who has a strong flame of zeal in him. And I would add that a priest's hopefulness, his hope, And his optimism actually is a way to be zealous. So many of our people seem to be lacking hope in their life. If they see Father's got some hope, they'll wonder, where did it come from? How can I get that? You can bring that that comfort and that hope to their lives by yourself exuding that in the way that you uh, preach, in the way that you interact with others, with a smile on your face, in the, in the advice you give in the confessional, providing people with that hope automatically attracts them, brings people to Christ. And that brings up probably an, a, another quality, which is your own cheerfulness. Um, 
Being a sourpuss, as Pope Francis has said, doesn't attract souls to Christ. Right? And sometimes you and I have to tell our face what's in our heart. Because sometimes our face doesn't look like there's anything in our heart. Right? right? That brings people to Christ. It's a very simple thing, but it's a great way. And it is a sign, I think, of zeal, of someone whose love is boiling over. You see this in couples that are in love, especially young couples. You can tell that they're in love just by the look on their face. Do people see the love of Christ in ours? Zeal for souls. Zeal for souls. Another way, especially as a diocesan priest, is, you know, as a diocesan priest, I've known this, especially in Paris situations, but in other assignments that I've had, whether it was the Lehigh Newman Center or teaching high school, or interruptions can really um, make up most of some days. You know, you have your whole day planned out, and much of the day just ends up being interruptions. A zealous priest, what a quality of a zealous priest is that he's able to handle those interruptions with great love. He doesn't get upset, doesn't get angry, he doesn't run away, back up to his room, right, and close the door. No, he's able to handle those interruptions well. And it's as though no one really interrupted him, right? Phone call, people coming into the office, got to go out to the hospital. Um, something happens like, you know, the down in the church hall, suddenly the, the, the sink you know, the water is all over the place and it's spritting all over the place and they got to get the plumber, whatever. Okay, these are interruptions. You do your best to handle them, get other people to handle them as well. And handling those interruptions with great grace is a sign of zeal. Often, those interruptions can be very important for people. Something's happening in their life and they call or they stop by to see you. You didn't expect them, yet they're there. They can often be a lost soul, a soul that's in need of the sacraments, in need of comfort, in need of direction, in need of prayer. A zealous priest welcomes them and doesn't worry about how he's been interrupted. Another one I thought of, too, and this I, I thought of it um, because a couple of weeks ago I had an opportunity to go up to my diocese to, uh, to give a talk on Blessed Stanley Rother. And one of our alum, uh, he's 1983 alum, invited me up to talk uh, at the beginning of Lent to his parish. And he invited me to dinner. And then he invited my brother, who's a priest, for dinner. And he also invited the local pastor, who was my, the deacon in my parish when I was there as pastor uh, at, uh, in Allentown. His, and then I found out that it's regular that his dinner table is open for priests. They come in and out all the time. And I thought, what a wonderful thing. And there's a sign of a zealous priest. He's also zealous about the care for his brother priests. He makes it, you know, his thing. People always know, the guys always know, they can stop by and have a meal. Or just say hello to Father Zemanic. That's great. Zeal for souls is also, and particularly, a zeal for our brother priests. I think another sign 
um, for, for zeal in the life of a priest is that he spends time preparing for his preaching and teaching. This can be quite difficult, to be honest with you. I mean, you think now, especially those that are in homiletics or the deacons, how difficult it is. It often becomes very difficult when you have a class every week, possibly, whether it's RCIA or going over to the school, and then you also have your homily, and then you've got three funerals, and then you've got the wedding on, 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 on Saturday, and then you've got this talk that you're going to give to the Women's Guild. and Yeah, it's hard sometimes to spend time preparing for those opportunities of preaching and teaching. But it's in those opportunities, particularly at weddings and funerals, that you have, you can be that thirst for Christ to the people coming in for the sacraments, for that scripture study, for that particular group that you're giving, the Knights of Columbus, and you're giving a talk to them. Right? So preparing well for all of those opportunities of preaching and teaching is a way to live our zeal for souls so clearly in, in, in the parish. I'd also say that to be zealous means to be daring. Right? By that I mean taking advantage of the moment to speak to someone, even if it's just on a plane, a train, walking by, someone seeing you for a moment, and really speaking to them of God, being daring, bold. But also not being satisfied, being so daring as to say, you know, I'm going to try something new. Not being satisfied with my efforts up to this point to bring souls to Christ. I'm going to look at some new way to do this. New program, possibly. New method. Even new technology. I so admire my brother priest who during COVID and some of them it was difficult, really took um, quite a turn in their life and had to learn something completely new. Not everybody did it that well, to be honest with you, but some, some, honestly, even some of the older priests, it's amazing what they did to learn something new. Hmm? That ought to be part of our life no matter how young or old we are. We're daring. We're willing to give it a shot. We're willing to give it a try. Why? Because it's a soul. The soul for which Christ is thirsting. And so, so my dear brothers, my dear sons, um, we are the thirst of Christ in this world. And we ask, uh, as I always try to do, maybe end with Our Lady, who was the most zealous among all of Christ's disciples. She was present there at the cross. She was there at Pentecost. Indeed, she is there for us now. She wants, above all, souls to come to her son. She is our mother. We are her children. She wants best for all of her children, and she knows that to be a relationship with her son, Jesus Christ. And so we ask her to help us. Help us to be what St. Philip Neri once said, Calm down, oratorians. I'm just going to quote Philip Neary just for a moment. He once said, Give me ten zealous priests and I will convert the world. There's more than ten seminarians here. So we ask Our Lady 
to make, and I do ask that, God willing, when the bishop lays hands on you, that you will be a happy, holy, and zealous priest so that we have more than ten in this world and so that the world might be converted to Christ.